the most action-packed content from the top mobile experts. This is the App Masters Podcast with Steve P. Young. Check ASO is an analytical ASO platform that provides you with up-to-date data on keywords, competitors, ratings, and reviews. It also grades your ASO level and gives you custom tips on how to improve it. This way, you can increase your app page visibility, organic traffic, and installs with every update. Try it now for free for seven days at checkaso.io. That once again is checkaso.io. We all have developer horror stories from language barriers to bad code to developing on time. That's why I recommend using B7Dev com. They're affordable, fast, and more importantly, trustworthy. Go to b7dev.com. What is up, App Nation? It is Steve P. Young, founder of AppMasters.com, the place you go when you want action-packed content in the app business. And today is the App Masters Virtual Summit with one of my good friends who is known for selling apps for millions upon millions of dollars. He's done it for guys like you may have heard of, Chad Moretta, Carter Thomas, and many more, and a couple of my friends as well. So we've got some mutual friends that we were introduced to to him. And today we're going to talk about how do you really set your business up for a sell that you can do for millions of dollars. So without further ado, he is Eric Owens. He is the owner and co-founder of AppBusinessBrokers.com. He's been brokering the sale of internet businesses businesses for the past 14 years and as also mobile apps the past six years. He has sold over, get this, $40 million of businesses for over hundreds of clients. Eric, thanks for coming on and doing this, man. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Steve. So Eric, let me talk, before we get into like how do you set it up properly, what businesses are best for this, talk to me about the seller's mindset. Like what what can you tell? Because we kind of talked about this too, that you could be like a psychologist, but what's the right way to get your mindset right? Because sometimes maybe you're burnt out as somebody who owns a business. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's funny with uh, like the businesses we deal with, it's a little bit different than like, you know, offline businesses where people usually sell those when they're looking to retire, you know, actual retirement age uh, or somebody in order gets sick or has health issues, things like that, where there's usually some really driving timing factor. Versus, you know, apps, you know, we haven't dealt with any clients yet who are retiring and, you know, need to get rid of their app because it takes up so much time. Like, it's just to happen. So, uh, I think with the sellers we deal with, it's so much people have, they get it to a certain point and then they get kind of bored with it. It seems like where a lot of the people that we work with in the app space, good at starting stuff, good at getting it going. And then when it comes to maintaining it and growing it, I mean, at some point, start to get bored with it. Uh, and then kind of like hold on to that for a long time. And like you said, people start to get burned out on it, even if it's doing well, even if it's going well for them. Um, I think the clients we've had that have been like the most successful moving on to something else, they've done one of two things. One, they either they very clearly knew what they wanted to do next. And the reason they were selling their current thing usually is to help fund that. Like they're trying to fund their next big idea without taking out a bunch of that capital, keeping control of that and the business. Um, and then the other people we've seen have been successful are people who are like, you know what, I'm just going to take some time off and 
take a couple months off after I sell and then decide what I want to do the rest of my life and then actually go and do that and, uh, and actually go travel or do something or like just get away from business and then, you know, do some self-exploration and then decide what they want to do next with their lives. Yeah. Um, it can be tough for some entrepreneurs to do, but at least if you have a chunk of money after selling, like you have the freedom to do that. So that's the time. Definitely do that. Take advantage of that. Uh, the people I think like sometimes it may be, the post sale, they might be a little bit more frustrated where I can't even say it goes badly for them, but where they've got frustrated with one part of the business and they're kind of like, well, screw it. I'm just going to sell. Like they get to that point of like frustration more than burnout and, uh, like burnout. I mean, it's usually pretty clear. Like if you're waking up every day and you just have no energy to deal with, yeah, you know, deal with the business anymore and just, you know, are not inspired at all. It's pretty clear to people when they hit that. The frustration part, I think sometimes people just get, maybe there's one aspect of the business they haven't figured out and they get so frustrated with it, they want to sell it. But really deep down inside, like they still want to be involved in that niche or that business. And then they sell it and then afterwards they're like, damn, I should have kept it and, you know, did something way different with it, like taking a partner or outside capital and figure out how to grow it myself versus sell. I think it'd be it behooves sellers to like spend some time doing some self exploration before selling. Like, what what would I do next if I sell this thing? And and you can go about it in different ways. Do like that helps where you know if you know what you want to do next, and you need a certain amount of cash to do it. Then you can set things up to make that happen. Versus if you're just sick of running the business, but you still want to be involved in the niche, you might find someone to partner with, or you know even do like a merger thing where you still work with someone ongoing. Like definitely helps you get what you want if you know that ahead of time. So. I, I think it's an important topic to bring up because I've heard from so many people that you think like, oh, after the exit, it's great. Life is awesome. And then they feel like they're lost. Like, hey, this thing that I built that I'm known for is no longer my identity and I'm gone. Like this is nothing. It's gone. It's not mine anymore. It's not my baby anymore. So I thought it was important to bring up before we get into the nitty gritty details of actually selling the business too. Yeah, definitely. Right. Yeah. Cause you want to be happy with the, uh, the process and the end result. Yeah. Yeah. And it is true. Like when you sell a business, I mean, your ego has been involved in it you know, for a, usually, you know, whatever, at least a year, two years, usually more than that. So. Yeah. All right. So let's get into the top three things to set up your mobile app business to sell for maximum value. So hit me, Eric, I'm ready. Cool. Yeah. I mean, these days it's been, the app market has been interesting. Uh, our time involved in it where, you know, we first got involved, like the apps that did well were, you know, some gimmicky stuff, you know, back then definitely it was way easier to do like the reskin mode, kind of like, you know, even crappy apps could do well and produce revenue. I think nowadays it's way more competitive. Uh, so on the buyer side these days, we're seeing buyers more interested where in buying stuff where it's a higher quality app and they'll pay a premium price for that. Uh, as long as it's still, you know, if it's growing and it's like I said, some premium higher quality app, they'd rather acquire that just one single app than a whole portfolio of other apps that even if the portfolio of crappy apps made more money, they'd prefer the, the more high quality single app purchase up scenario uh, or a small portfolio of, uh, of apps. I see. The days of doing like the 100, 200 apps that, you know, do revenue, buyers look at that now and just kind of go like, man, I got to like maintain those apps and do updates. And even if it's not expensive, it's like requires their mental bandwidth to manage it go through and do that. So uh, that's been one new, new interesting trend. Um, other thing too has been nowadays uh, we're actually taking on a few new listings for subscription apps 
where if you're in a niche where it can justify doing a subscription model, there's huge demand on the buyer side for that. I mean, definitely. If I had to encourage someone starting out on a way to go, be like, go, go research niches where you could do subscription apps and focus on that. It's funny. I so just did a, sorry, Eric, don't interrupt, but like I just did a video where there was a celebrity voice changer app that was making like $2 million according to, you know, the sources that I have, but $2 million a month. And I was like, holy cow. And people like really liked the video. All they did was like audit the video. I was like, here's what the video does. It makes $2 million or here's what the app does. And it's, and I found a couple of different niche, niches that are making pretty decent money, like hundred grand a month with subscriptions. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I know like the photo video stuff has been popular like that probably ever since people started doing subscription apps. But yeah, there's all sorts of niches I make that people haven't done it in yet that you know consumers would pay for. So that's all that really matters. Is it as simple as getting some of the assets ready to go? I sold a couple of different apps like through different marketplaces for just a few thousand dollars, but it's like you gotta have all the stuff ready. So it's almost like, hey, if you're thinking about ever selling, like make sure you've sort of have a big folder with all the assets, like all the marketing things that you've done and just have that ready to go because it's something that the buyers will want. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, we've seen that more and more. Definitely buyers have got more sophisticated than they were years ago. Uh, where, yeah, like we take people through a checklist of stuff to put together. And uh, one of the things is definitely you know, having all your, all your assets there and ready to go so that when you, it does actually sell, it's all set up ahead of time, makes things go much smoother and easier. Uh, one interesting thing with apps, another thing we encourage people to do is like definitely have your financials and, and analytics all good to go. Uh, these days too, definitely the trend has been buyers not just looking at revenue, but also looking at user retention and things like that. I where see. in the past, you know, people may have been more focused on daily downloads and what that traffic looked like. Where now the people that are doing the the larger deals, you know, multi million dollar deals, definitely are focused on user acquisition and user retention and what the the revenue and how the revenue matches up to that. So. I like that. Are they? Are buyers looking in particular for, do they have a preference between like, hey, this is my paid acquisition channel. You know, I've dominated Facebook ads. I spend a dollar here. I make $2 on subscription. Or are they more keen on like organic growth? Like, hey, I rank a lot. Well, I don't spend any money on marketing and here's how much I'm making. Yeah, there's definitely a mix. I think it seems like the ones that are uh, larger deals, it seems like you tend to almost need to do some user acquisition stuff to get the revenue up to those levels that kind of justify the higher price tag at least from what we've seen uh maybe there's some people that can do it purely with aso but on the smaller end i think you're almost better off doing that like focus on the aso stuff first and then you know you've got it going it's got revenue and then too when you have that revenue you can invest more back into it um on the user acquisition side of things yeah, that's what I'm starting to see is like anybody that's making, I mean, close to probably six figures a month, they probably have some advertising that they're running because it's kind of, you know, that organic growth with ASO is going to hit a ceiling after a while too. Right. Yeah, definitely. So Eric, how do I figure out like how much my app is worth? Yeah. So I always encourage people to hit us up we'll get them a free valuation based on where things are at at that time. Cause things definitely seem to shift in this market more than other ones like internet businesses. I mean, we've dealt with those for years and years and those have always sold for somewhere between like one and a half and three and a half times what the yearly profit is just mm. consistently, unless it's a business to business, like software as a service kind of thing where they can justify, you know, four, five, six times. So 
what apps? I mean, it seems like right now, at this moment in time, most of the deals that we're doing, there's usually somewhere between like two to two and a half times what the yearly revenue looks like. Uh, but we have gotten some clothes that are more like three to three and a half times. There was close to one. I think there was close to three and a half. So, Is there a minimum number that we should be hitting on a monthly basis? Like, hey, don't even talk to Eric unless you meet this minimum <laughs> requirement. Don't waste his time. Yeah, it's a good question. We're explaining a little bit more like we have a, a junior broker on our team now that's handling some smaller deals where part of it just matches up to like, like what, you know, is selling money back out of it. And you know, usually people, if you can't sell for somewhere between like 50 to 100 grand, yeah, I'd say in that range. So probably somewhere between like 25 to 50 grand a year. So two to four grand a month, somewhere in that range on the revenue side of things. Okay. That's not bad. I mean, I think that's yeah. It's doable. It's like it's not. Right. It's not too difficult. <laughs> At that point, we can probably go sell it for fifty to one hundred thousand dollars. So you know, makes it worthwhile on our end and worthwhile for the seller to go through the process of, of selling it. I like that. the The other thing I wanted to talk about was like a team. If I have a team, does it usually go with them, or is it like, hey, once a sell happens, then the team stays, whatever the team's gone, and I just take the portfolio of apps. Yeah, it seems on apps where it's, that's one thing where it's a little bit easier than internet businesses. Where internet businesses, it's definitely ideal if you have a team in place running it. Apps, not so much. Uh, it seems like most of the people that are buying apps nowadays have their own developers or, you know, at least outsource people where they may want you to have like your team available for some amount of time just for support, but like they're not, they don't necessarily need the team. Um, if you're doing way bigger numbers, like we have, uh, like, one of my friends where their business is, I mean, I think they're doing like four or five million bucks a year now in revenue. That scenario, the buyer would need the team to stay in place because the team does like runs all the systems of you know, ASO and the research that they do and monetization that they do. Like, Okay, nice. And then what about the earnout? Like, is there with apps, is there ever an earnout or is it just pretty much like, here's the money. Thank you. <laughs> a lot more of the second scenario really? where it's like, Thanks. Here's, here's the cash. Give me my stuff and get out of my way. I got it. All good to go. Uh, yeah, the earn out stuff is usually if there's like ongoing support work that, you know, the seller is doing. We have have some deals like that where the, the new owner might want the current owner to be involved and like helping to do some, you know, next version of the app or help them out a little bit where they might do some performance based deal around that just to incentivize the, the current owner to work with them on it. But Besides subscription, are there any other trends that you're seeing in the app space from a buyer's perspective? Like buyers are pretty keen on these type of apps. You know, not any particular niche, really. I mean, it seems like utility apps like always do well, just because there's buyers that, you know, some buyers focus on games. You know, they just want games for sure. Uh, and then the people who don't want games, it seems like they gravitate to more towards utility apps because they think they feel like it can last longer term, that there's less of a hockey stick effect with it. Right. Uh, but within niches, I mean, we definitely, we do get buyers looking for stuff, you know, sometimes for specific niches like fitness, health-related apps, uh, financial-related apps. That's definitely a big one. We haven't seen many for sale. Uh, any kind of like personal financial management type apps. Uh, and then I'm trying to think what else. I mean, we haven't seen many apps that can be like more that are justified more like on the business to business side of things. But if someone's got one of those, yeah, definitely that was that very sellable. The, from the other side, I'm just curious, Eric, like what are buyers doing after they get the app? Are they just putting it into their own machine? Like do they just, is that their business like building portfolio 
of AppSet? Maybe they sell for even bigger? Yeah, most of the guys, we have one buy right now where they definitely, their whole business is built around acquisition. So like that's their thing. They go out and they acquire apps. And then what they do after that, it seems like they do, they improve the apps. Uh, usually they go in and do some user interface stuff. Uh, I think some of them have like their own secret voodoo on the monetization side of things where they kind of know that if an app is doing a certain level right now that they can go in and monetize it better. So they're very smart financial buyers where they have a team come in and like whether it's different ad networks or the way uh, the ads are displayed inside the app, how it's being monetized in general. That's interesting. They, go, they play with the monetization for sure. Uh, I think they definitely, it seems like the sophisticated ones, they pay a lot more attention to the monetization than probably the current owner does. I mean, a lot of our app clients, they, you know, get good at one way of producing traffic and one way of monetizing it. And that's kind of like it. I think that's, you know, that's usually good enough. So the, the app that I analyzed, I was making 2 million a month. They were like extremely aggressive with their monetization. And I think that's why people like the, the video so much because you could use it. It was a celebrity voice changer. So you can talk like Trump or anybody else that you really wanted to. And then after that first one, like you just have to wait a minute and a half or subscribe. And then you could do it again and then just wait another <laughs> minute and a half before you can use it again. So they're pretty aggressive with that stuff. Yeah. And then I think the other team thing that uh, people do is definitely they run multiple apps where definitely target the same kind of demographic consistently with whatever acquisitions are doing, where definitely they're cross promoting in some way and leverage across their other apps. Yeah, when I sold my portfolio of apps, I just got sick of like updating them. And it was just all kids apps. But I, the the main app they wanted had like half a million downloads already. And it wasn't making money. But they were like, hey, we're launching this brand new app that's a kids app. And we want to leverage your users to cross promote our new app that's coming out too. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I should have sold like, it for more than shit. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Eric, is there anything else like besides, you know, what we talked about in terms of getting everything ready? trying to sell this business, thinking about selling it. My mindset's right. Anything else that we should be thinking about when we're like really trying to approach buyers and you guys and helping us out with selling the business? Yeah. One other thing that we see is like, uh, one thing to avoid is like, don't wait until it's on like a massive downtrend, um, where it can still be sellable. You're just going to get a way a lot less for it. I mean, any, any buyer with any business, that's always their back of my concern is like, oh my God, I'm going to buy this thing and it's just going to tank on me. Uh, you know, like kind of like nobody wants to catch a falling knife. It's just not a good idea. Um, where once it starts going down, it just raises more questions in buyers' minds of like, okay, even if there's a logical reason why and some easy way to turn it around, um, unless even if they're experienced, they're going to pay a lot less for it. So I see. If, if it's flat or growing a little bit, that's definitely the best time to sell. And then, uh, you know, if it has been on a downtrend, it's probably worth putting in a little bit of work to get it at least back to flat to where it was kind of that way buyers will at least be comfortable and not cause they always look at it as like, well, if it was that easy to turn around, like, why don't you just do that? <laughs> the, the current owner. How far back in terms of revenue do they typically look at the buyers? You know, it used to be definitely like the whole kind of trilling 12 months. These days we've been pushing, uh, and actually some buyers have been pushing more like where it gets valued based on the last three to six months of what the revenue numbers look like. Yeah. So that's where it definitely benefits. You know, like I said, if it's been on a downtrend worth spending a month or two getting it back up because, um, yeah, the last like three to six months is kind of time frame. 
is that especially is that just for apps or is it for other businesses as well? Yeah, definitely apps, uh, internet businesses to some degree, but they'll definitely look more at the last 12 months uh, in that scenario. So Eric, how long from us approaching you to then potentially like eventually selling it? How long? I mean, I know it's hard to really pin down a time frame, but how long does that usually take? Yeah, so on apps, they definitely seem to sell faster than uh, than internet businesses. And uh, I think our record's been eight days from first like talking to someone and having to deal close the money in their bank account. So once in a while, if the buyer is there ready to go and we price it right, that can happen. Uh, in general, it seems like two to four months to get through the whole process. It's like we'll go through and you know when someone contacts us, we'll get them a free valuation. The numbers look good. That takes only a couple of days, but if the numbers look good. Then do a listing agreement, sign that, go create a prospectus. That takes about a week or so, and then we'll start marketing. So. Yeah, there's one to two weeks of time frame in there. And then once it's in front of buyers, then we're kind of on the buyer's at the buyer's mercy in terms of their time frame of how fast they move. But yeah, it seems like two to four months, somewhere in that time frame. And then if we if the seller's really motivated, we can price it right and get faster action. That's for sure. Does that change at all depending on the listing price? Yeah, definitely. Like we had one recently where uh yes, we just sold it for two point two million dollars. I think that one it didn't take us, I think we got a deal in motion after like six weeks and then it took the buyer like about two months to close because it was a scenario where they had investors and had to run things through their investor board and that whole process. So yeah, that's the, that's the part that can take time. If you're doing the larger deals where you usually, if they're not doing up investors, then they have outside capital in some capacity. So they got to jump through whatever hoops are required there to follow that process. I like it, man. The, what's the, Maybe t- talk to me a little bit about other businesses. So I know people in the audience, they run different types of businesses. What other businesses do you guys work with in terms of being able to broker a deal? Yeah, definitely. Uh, these days, uh, we focus on so apps and then uh, software as a service businesses. Those are always popular and sellable. Uh, yeah, any, any niche, those will sell. And then uh, e-commerce businesses, so whether they're straight up e-commerce through like you know, your own site and store, Shopify, or uh, Amazon also. Uh, I think over time, probably going to see the multiples on the Amazon businesses come down if they're too heavily focused on that. So uh, just some... So smart buyers have seen on Amazon where it's a little bit volatile once in a while, but yeah. So e-commerce, SaaS, and then uh, and then apps. We'll do some stuff with like more content type business, but those are the the big three. So. What's your business model? How does how does that work with you guys? Yeah, great question. So on our end, uh, you know, heavy commission based, and then some larger deals we like part retainer, part commission, and then uh, it varies based on the deal size. Yeah. Very cool. Well. Anything else I miss, Eric? That you want to cover? Uh, man, no, I think the other thing I would just encourage people to do is if they can, like from whenever they start their app business, definitely you know, keep clean, accurate records on like their financials and user analytics and, and have that ready to go. Like it adds adds a lot of value because most people don't do it. So if it's there ready to go, you'll sell a lot easier and faster. Are there any tools that you recommend from like the financial side? Is it just like a big spreadsheet or is like, hey, you know, get a bookkeeper, QuickBooks, Bench. I use Bench.co. Like, you know, like are there any tools that you recommend to get your financials just straight? 
Yeah, it's a great question. Maybe we'll create something for that at some point because it's definitely. Uh, but yeah, I think right now, like you said, bench, and then if not, a QuickBooks. That's the other thing that that can work well, and it's pretty simple, you know, for app stuff. So you don't have a lot of a lot of cost of goods sold or things like that. So. Well, if you guys are in the audience, if you're thinking about potentially moving on and selling your apps, Eric is the guy that I highly recommend. Anybody that anybody that comes to me and asks me like, hey, where should I go? I'm thinking about you know getting out. I always send them to Eric. He's worked for a ton of bigger names, Chad Moretta, Carter Thomas, and a bunch of my friends as well. I won't mention them because I don't know if they want me to mention them. But really, I trust Eric. He's a great guy. He will help you out. If you guys are interested, check out appbusinessbrokers.com. Eric, you want to send the audience anywhere else? No, that's great, man. Thanks so much for having me on. Thanks for coming on, Eric. Tired of overpaying for app store optimization? Get unlimited ASO and app marketing support to increase your keyword rankings, downloads, and more importantly, your revenue. Learn more at asomasters.com. Thanks for listening to the App Masters podcast. For show notes and amazing app marketing content, check out appmasters.co.